don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. everybody to gray man hiding in plain sight where we talk about the gray man concept it's a concept not a theory not a theory at all this is season four i'm your host brian or shannon or brian casey or whatever you choose to call me this week So we're going to be talking about China a little bit based on some interview conducted on the Joe Rogan experience by a former member of Stratfor, one of the places I used to recommend getting information. I still evaluate them some there. Another, we're going to be talking a little bit about some home security. Question I got regarding storage of firearms and a door, specifically to a door. Another one about identifying intelligence officers, somebody who may have had an interaction with CIA officers on U.S. soil and is not sure about it. We'll talk about that and maybe a little bit more right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. My God, I did it again, but I caught it just in time, so I only got to re-record like five minutes of this. So happy about that. So when I answer questions like this, people write in, just so you know, I typically don't use people's names. I say sometimes like, well, you know, I get this question a lot. Typically that's because I do. But when I, I do ones like this from a specific person that sounds like you, then it's probably you because I, I haven't had any like that that were close to anybody else. So that's important to note. Another thing to consider, I don't use people's names. Occasionally I'll say something like, this comes from Bob on Twitter. This is from Dave on Spotify. That's about all I'll do, especially if it's a real common name. If it's not too common or too common to me, I won't do that. I try not to for people's privacy. So if you have any issue with me even saying something like that, that's Bill from an email. Make sure you let me know like this individual did. So this comes from Facebook. This is about the CIA agency, as we say it. Got this letter from a guy. I'm going to run through it real quick. It says, a few years ago, I was homeless in Washington State. Living in my car for the course of about nine months. One morning, I woke up to two government officials having a conversation next to my car. I'm more than certain they had no idea I was in the vehicle next to them, seeing how I was sleeping in the back seat and covered in blankets when I woke. Were you not in blankets when you went to sleep? Okay, so I can't remember the entire conversation, but I remember one of them saying SK-12. That's written as the letter S, the letter K, hyphen, number one, and the number two, SK-12. They said it a few times. I remember it sounding very official. After that, I got out of my car and noticed CIA license plates in the car I was hearing conversation from. I was wondering if there's any way you could possibly give me some insight on what this possibly was absolutely can do so as always and when i say this people think it means it's something bad i suppose it could but if i disagree or don't like what you're saying or i I choose to do it like this a smaller question like this i could have done an email on it's for a teaching point a purpose for things we can look look for and learn about but 
going through this, breaking it down, there's questions I had along the way. So some of these will sound like there's, there's answers later, but this is how I was looking at it. So it's a few years ago, we're dealing with a memory. So even a good well-intentioned person may not remember everything. And later on, you do specifically say like, you don't remember the whole conversation, but there's nothing about how this is written that indicates deception to me. It says, I'm living in my car for about nine months. So you're homeless. So I wake up to two government officials having a conversation next to my car. A couple questions there. How do you know they're government officials? I mean, why did, is it because of the stuff you notice later? Like these license plate, you decide they're government officials. Cause if, if that was the case, I, I would hope you clarified that because if you decided they were government officials, you deduce that at this point in your observation, I want to know how you knew that, what it was about them that said to you, government official. Second thing, having a conversation next to my car, were they in their car? Were they, and if they were, what side of the vehicle was it parked on? What side was it parked on compared to where your head was in your vehicle or was it in front or behind you? Were their windows down? Were your windows down? Because all these things are factors. What was the weather like to this point? What we hear and how well we hear it, no matter how quiet we are, things can get muffled or disturbed even a little bit. So these are important questions. I don't think they know because seeing I was sleeping in my car, unless you kept your car totally immaculate, typically clean, doesn't look like you're homeless or have anything in there that looks like you're homeless and you're not parked in an area where people that are homeless or even on a long drive, taking a road trip and sleep in their car and you're very, very tiny under a blanket essentially, it's very possible they could have noticed or thought that at some point, even if it wasn't at this point in the description of the interaction that you're describing. So careful with those assumptions, but that doesn't mean that they knew you were in there or that they cared. That's the other thing. They may not even have cared. So I can't remember the entire conversation, but I do remember the one saying SK-12. So the reason I mentioned a lot of the things about the muffling and what we hear, what we our brains tell us or what we're hearing, and the time of this, is you could have heard somebody saying something like yes or his or something, and then K-12 or K-12, through because I don't think they said SK-12, that's how you wrote it. So did they just say that, SK-12? That's what I would be interested in. Because K through 12, obviously, it's school related. And there's a lot of discussions about education in this state because it's all jacked up. SK 12, though, if you Google it, you're going to find out it can be a lot of things, including a shotgun. A lot of things, or versions of that could be. So it's hard to nail that down. What would be helpful, especially when we get to the next part about the plates, is knowing where you were, like the county or the town, what kind of place you were parked in. I mean, things that bring into question why people would be there doing this. Are you parked in a place that's industrial, for example? A lot of homeless people or vagrants or, or people that are just in your situation parked in. Are you parked in Walmart, Home Depot parking lot? Are you parked in a public park somewhere? Are you parked in the woods? You know, is this a bad area of town? Is it inner city? All these things matter and are factors to consider when looking at what this could possibly mean. The other thing is always remembered, you, even though you said you heard it a few times, and that does lean to the credibility, that's what you heard is it could be a lot of things. So depending on where you were, what you actually saw and heard, it could be specific to whatever business they're discussing. Because you mentioned the conversation sounded official. To me, the way you're describing it just means it sounds like it was professional, like business, you know, business conversation, serious conversation, not like casual conversation around the barbecue. So if, if it didn't mean that and you really meant official, I'd like to know why you have that memory. Then you get into the CIA license plates when you get out of the vehicle. So when you get out of the vehicle, I'd be interested in knowing what you really saw, what it looked like, especially if you could draw it. 
It was it actual the plate or the plate frame? Here's why. There are no plates that say CIA. CIA doesn't have their own plates. They don't put their emblem on them. That's, that's not how it works. They use government plates like all other government entities. I mean, you can go on military bases and see vans, minivans, SUVs, some that look like Fed vehicles. And the only reason I say they look like them is people think that's what they are sometimes because that's what they see in movies that are just those type of vehicles that are fleet vehicles, meaning they're bought as a fleet for an organization that has government plates. Okay, they don't go around advertising who they are. That defeats the point and the purpose. They don't wear CIA t-shirts. They don't have CIA license plates. So that brings into question, if you actually did see something with CIA, what could it have been, going back to fleet vehicles? Could it have been, depending on where you're at, like let's say, for example, you were in Seattle and you're parked near Pier 25, it has a lot of the Matson terminal. That's still what it is. Lots of import export stuff coming out of there. Sometimes vehicles, I think, I think vehicles go to another place, but being how they're parked and where they're marked and if they're coming in and what they're doing and people hanging out there, that, that's one possible explanation of something you could see. The other thing is, you know, if it belongs to a company, an organization, whether it's something going in for maintenance or, or you're near, you're parked in a place, that's a parking lot, but it's kind of like a rest stop, but you're actually near farmland that has, fleet vehicles and these guys are actually there just bullshitting hanging out having breakfast before they go to work or kick off for the day using a company car and it happens to have those markings and they can drive it legally where they're at these all factor in to determine what you actually saw the point is to say the disappointing point is unfortunately this isn't a fun story you get to tell anymore about where when and why and how you had an interaction with the cia and witness something because i'm 100 percent confident they're definitely not agency personnel Unless for some reason you were parked in the Langley parking lot and I'd want to know why they're driving around with CIA plates on even there. Okay, the next one goes into our home security and gun safety question. I want to point out to you, the beginning of this I'm not going to read, mentions the mental health podcast with some other questions. I'm going to be sharing several of those emails in a future episode talking about some of the things, especially because there's no questions there. Now, I don't know if this is actually in the last podcast or is in the part I said I deleted because I had to redo it because the deleted one was way better than what you actually ended up with. But the um, it's a real popular thing for veterans and stuff to talk to mental health stuff and some of their experiences, and it it was not as good as I was hoping. I'm, I'm not. I listened to it one time and haven't done it again. I, I'm not happy with it, but <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it'd be better with video. But anyway, knowing that, even for my listenership, because I'm obviously not Joe Rogan, shockingly low. I, I, I'm still astonished at how low the numbers are. Yet at the same time, I'm also shocked at the amount of emails I've received from people. And these are not like, hey, you did a good job. Like these are paragraphs, multiple paragraphs. People are writing me detailed emails telling me what they think about me and the show and what they like and don't like and asking me questions. And that's how this email starts out. So at some point in the future, I'll be sharing those. And this individual woman, in the middle here, sorry for the ramble. You're an interesting guy, and I just wanted to chat. Part of the question she'd asked me, too, is about my dog. I'll see. If I remember, I'll put a link into my Facebook um, profile. But I think you can, if you go to the show notes and go to the Gray Man Concepts Facebook page, if you go to that page, it should show you who the owner is somewhere in there where you can see who owns it or runs it. That's how it used to work, and then you could just link over to their profiles. But there's tons of pictures of my dog on there. Cause I don't know how I can share when I almost made her the podcast picture, but I knew that was a bad idea for what I was doing. Cause people are thinking I'm going to be talking about dogs all the time. 
But yeah, she's beautiful, and I am sorry about your dog. I did, I did read your email. I'm very sorry about that. So a couple questions she has. First about storing firearms. I have some people who have everything in a gun safe, which is not exactly quick access, and I've seen videos where good thieves can break into them in under two minutes. Other people have gun in every room in their house, which also means the bad guy can get to it and use it on you. What are your thoughts? Well, so some of these are somewhat unique. Depends on the safe and the skill of the person. Like, you get a really skilled burglar, a really skilled safe cracker, and even if they don't tell you who that is, and they make an entire YouTube channel about breaking into safes, even ones that cost thousands of dollars, that's not entirely fair. But there are plenty that are not too difficult to break into, but I don't think there's a lot of people walking around that can take down a Fort Knox, you know, massive safe. It costs like $12,000. But also not everybody can afford those. So if two people can pick your safe up and carry it out of your house, I don't care who made it and how much it costs you. It's worthless. Just something to keep in mind. Bolt that thing down. So with the safe, part of what she's describing, like you need that gun in an emergency. So I've mentioned before, I'm never more than 30 feet from a firearm. But you know what? That's true in the shower. Does that mean there's a gun on my counter? Good question. Part of the reason why is I have opinions, obviously. I say them as opinions, although in the gun community, these would be considered facts, like responsibilities we have for training, weapon safety. If anybody's going to be in the home, even children, teaching them about that stuff, what not to touch more as they get older that's appropriate to their age. I understand there's people out there who think these are horrible discussions, but these are fair discussions for people to have. So... Just asking to be a little objective about it. For the people who are carrying a firearm, we'll say out in public, you're carrying concealed, open carry, constitutional carry, maybe with a permit. Obviously, legally, we'll say, presuming you're doing it, the person who's doing it legally, however you're doing it, you have reasons why you do that, which are not important to this conversation, but you have reasons why. Most of these people I know that do that, if not all of them, when they go home, they aren't carrying. They go out in public because of all these reasons, good reasons, logical reasons, it makes sense. A lot of them have training, smart people, educated. But when they go home, they don't care anymore. You sleep for eight hours a day, that would make you one of the average people that spend a third of your life in your home. But then there's all those times of morning and night when we're not working, when we're on home too. Many people spend 50% of their life in that building. And of those people, if you're one of them or somewhere, even a third of your life in that building and you carry a firearm in public but you don't carry it at home, my question is why? Part of the reason is you feel safe there. It's your castle. You think nothing's going to happen. Mistake. My recommendation is, and this is what part of the reason why I'm never out of 30 feet, is when I'm carrying a firearm, if I'm carrying it in public, I'm carrying it at home. There's not too many situations where I don't have one. That's not all the time. I do it legally. I make sure I know based on the state I'm in what I can and can't do, what I can and can't have. There's people's homes I choose not to carry a firearm in because out of respect, I've never had the conversation with them. I don't even know their opinions on them. I just don't. That's just my decision. So you got to make your own. But there's that. The second thing is though, nighttime. Let's say you have a safe and you have important things in there. Maybe a person with two or more firearms and you keep them locked in your safe. Doesn't mean you have to put them all in there. You can have one out. I mean, yeah, you can put it under your pillow, I guess, but should be a place within reach that you can get to operate safely and know how to wake up correctly, deal with it safely, understanding whether or not that's the kid or that's the dog or that's the one, whatever it is. But you get to and it's protected and you know nobody's going to get to it or mess with it. And then you can carry it in the morning or lock it in the safe, whether you're carrying or not. You know, it should, that should be there. That That's my opinion. 
you got to work with what you got and decide how you want to do that. The other thing is when you're looking at people who have guns in different locations in their home. Okay. So it's not the punisher, right? There's not people out there who aren't really punisher guys that are hiding them because gangsters are coming get them. So you're talking about people breaking in your home. They could use them on you. Well, this is true, but if you pull a firearm on somebody who's coming into your home and most of these people that come into homes to steal stuff, say in the middle of the night, aren't trying to be violent. They're just trying to steal stuff. So if it's a home invasion and they know your home, it's clear your home, there's violence is going to ensue. They're probably armed. So we'll go with the more likely scenario that if somebody does break in your house or home, it's the middle of the night and you're alone. They figure they can overpower you. Most of them are going to not react well to the firearm, meaning uh, they're going to shit their pants and run, or they're going to react in these whole opposite and come at you, at which point you have to decide what to do. But if you have a firearm in your hands and they get it from you, they can use it on you. But what about the other ones in your house? Well, the thing is, most of the burglaries that happen, people are not home, but they may find them. One of two things will happen, depending on the burglar and what they're capable of doing, they might not even mess with it because they don't want to, but more than likely it'll get stolen. It's not about using it on you. They will take it. They'll sell it and end up on the street and you'll get a phone call one day because firearm you bought six years ago was used in a crime, robbing a liquor store, shot an old lady, you know, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't register my firearms. Well, sure you don't. You probably don't. But if it's a firearm you bought from a dealer and you filled out the paperwork on, trust me when I tell you, despite what that dealer is allowed to maintain, that stuff is out there. It is known that at one point you paid the money, did that transaction, that serial number belonged to you. And that will happen. And that will come back to you at some point. So that's really what that situation is about. The other thing too is no matter how well you hide things in your house, you have to decide how important it is. So whether you're doing this now, whatever it is, this is questions I would say, would you hide $1,000 cash in the same place you're hiring a firearm and be willing to lose it? Because if the answer is no, I wouldn't hide a gun there either. The other reason would be a logical, realistic question of why you're hiding the firearm there and who can get to it. Because what if you hide six guns around your house and then there's people around your house all the time or somebody's going to watch your house? There's a whole lot of situations where bad things happen to good people because of improper handling and storage of firearms in very unique situations to their lives. Like I live alone. When I had my house, I lived alone. I only had a few friends that ever came over there. Hardly anybody ever been in my house. Only my closest friends. And to be fair, the last few years where I was, I only had a few close friends that were close to me. And one of them could just walk in my house with unannounced after two months. I didn't care that I walked in his house still do. And that's just kind of how we roll. Cause those are the kinds of friends we are. But when people were coming around, guess what happened? I cleaned up my house. And by cleaning up my house, I mean things I would call sensitive items disappeared, went to a safe base. It's no different than several years ago. Uh, family were coming to visit my mom and I had guns and in the house. And when they're coming, depending on who they are, or no matter who they are, a lot of things would disappear and be put and stored safely and properly minus one. That would be on my person all the time or definitely in a place I wouldn't have to worry about it for any temporary amount of time. And that was for adults too. That's just what I did. So you have to make these decisions on your own, figure out what's best for you and how you want to handle it. So for the next one, brief discussion here on China. I don't even, I never get this guy's name right. I don't even remember what it is, Zahan or something. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience recently. A big part of the conversation was about, well, part of it was about China. He's a, he's a, he's an analyst of some type now. He has his own website. I, I, look, I'm going to criticize him here 
on this stuff and criticize him in general. It doesn't mean everything he does is bad. I'm not saying that. He used to work at Strats Ford for George Freeman. George Freeman sold a long time ago. Strat Ford went quite a bit downhill and less productive. But they did do some good stuff. They still do some okay stuff. I think this guy's trying to stay relevant. Anyway, I was written a question asking about this guy. And he talked a lot on Joe Rogan experience about China and China falling apart, population decline. And I'm going to look at what I wrote to him, kind of his notes, because the way I talk, the way I write, don't always line up, so it's downward. Part of what he described was China would fail. And he said this decade. So that would, to me, indicate in the 2020s. And he specifically, within three to five years, or for about 20 years, for about 20 years now, he's been saying that within three to five years or this decade. So for 20 years, he's been saying, I compare it to the people that say, starting in September, October every year, they talk about, why the United States economy will fail next year, right? And then it doesn't. But one day they'll be right. And then they'll go, look, I said this. Well, well, yeah, but you said it a lot. Okay, this is a overgeneralization, I call it, because he doesn't get into the specifics of why. He doesn't do the math. He just gives an answer. He comes up on this subject a lot, trying to, I think, maintain relevance and get some traction, especially China being in the news a lot now. What I said was he makes gross overgeneralization and ignores many other factors, one of which I said was simple math. One of the things he talked about was the decline in population. You look up their population and you see it goes back a couple centuries. It looks like a decline. Just because population is lower a few years in a row and it's very, very small isn't the same as saying decline. Like it, By definition of dictionary, decline, yes, but overall irreversible decline, no. And there's a lot of people there, but there's some things to consider. The one-child policy, there's been ways around that other from illegal. Also, things that can happen to population, even if there is a decline, are things like healthcare. And healthcare has changed a lot, even though things aren't perfect there that help keep people alive. You know, natural disasters, all kinds of natural things, diseases, all that kind of stuff. The other thing, too, is, let's see. So China is probably around 17% decline, I think, is what they're going to show. I don't, I don't remember what I wrote. But it looks like a decline over a few decades, possibly. But the other thing to look at, too, when he talks about the decline and the way he describes what will happen with them and how they'll fall apart and how many people won't exist anymore, the math doesn't add up because part of it has to do with lifespan. So if you look at the average lifespan, which I think is around, probably around 80 now there, but it might be, even if it's 60, it doesn't matter. The amount of births that they have. To reach his math for this decade, actually, I think even by 2040, pretty much everybody has to stop having children immediately, right? All of them, even with one child policy. Then at a minimum, those at the median age would have to die like almost immediately. And then as everybody reaches the median age, they'd have to die. It would take that kind of catastrophe. Now, there's ways that could happen, you know, rogue asteroids, nuclear war, any war, a pandemic that really starts taking people out, massive Ebola outbreak. There's there's arguments on how that could happen. However, comma, those things attack geography and people, but they aren't specific to like genders and age groups and things like that. And that makes a huge difference on whether or not, unless they start wiping out like 85, 90% of the population, if it would even happen. The point this to say is, when people make predictions, real predictions, it's one thing to do analysis and say, based on the information, what you're really saying is based on the information I have, here's what things look like, and it's logical and makes sense, and you can explain 
I'm not 100%, I'm 12%, I'm 92%, whatever it is. Here's what it would take to get to 100 where I really think and have people have that conversation. That's fair analysis, right? But not prediction. When you get into prediction and things like this, like I'm, I'm for shit, sure. Making vague overgeneralized statements don't cut it. You got to do the math. You got to explain why. In realistic detail, it can't be argued. There are systems that take predictions and do grade scales, percentages of accuracy on them. I can't remember the one I've done. I'm not going to tell you what my rate is because it's not relevant. It's not terrible, though. Definitely good. But he's been evaluated on that, and there's others. But no matter which one you look like, at best, he's in the neighborhood of 40 to 50%. Statistically, no matter what you use, even based on statistics, in the neighborhood of 40 to 55%, 45, 55%, that's just luck. And that's assuming you're not making vague, overgeneralized statements. That's being specific, doing the math on it, as I say. Right? When you're, you're getting somebody that's around 80, 85%, that's considered pretty solid. And he doesn't have that. So what that would mean is this. Let's say what he discussed happens. That doesn't make him correct. That makes him somebody who happens to be right. Because at that level, places he's worked and what he's done, you would do the math on this. You explain it. You know, some of the stuff I put on that website, I take from those guys. And I edit it, rewrite it, right? The reason people pay a few bucks on there is because that little bit of money, because there ain't a lot of people to pay, goes towards all these different places I pay subscriptions to to get information and stuff that cuts my research time way down. I can take stuff that people are getting paid to do analysis that usually do okay or really well, add that to my toolbox of things I'm researching, cross-check their work, see what I think people are interested in, and then some I write myself, some of their stuff I give 100%, some of it's 70 90% with some editing, because a lot of like Strat4, for example, downhill, highly political on some of their stuff now, not the company they used to be. So that is to say, I I like Joe's show. Obviously, he doesn't know me. Wish I had 10% of his numbers. I like seeing this. I haven't seen them all. Some of the stuff, it sounds like somebody I'm interested in or somebody I know. I've seen other interviews I like. I'll watch even if they ask the same questions because I think they're cool. There's some I've, I need to go back and find some time that I like to watch. There's some of those long form ones I'm really into. When it's people I want to see, I don't just watch them all because I like the shows. I like, I watch the ones I'm interested in. But that's why one of the things I think I wrote in there because I just closed it. I was thinking this if I didn't say it to him was, I wonder about Joe Rogan sometimes. Like, what I really think is he's smart, smarter than most people realize. And that he's got, he's got this interviewing thing for his show down to pretty much the science. And he does and says and reacts things in a way as long as people aren't being disrespectful to keep the conversation going and, and to get that stuff out there. You know, sometimes I think he plays dumber than he is more of what we call the student teacher relationship. When I discussed interrogation, for example, to keep people going or getting them more engaged when sometimes I think it's just to help that guest because if that's not the case, that would make him dumb as shit for some of the things that are on there. But I don't think, I don't think he is. I think he knows what he's doing and he's smart to do it that way. That's probably why I don't think I would ever be as big as him no matter how hard I tried because I, I see how he does that and that's definitely not what I would do. Definitely not. But I, I like the show. So that's that's it on that subject. But occasionally I'm going to do stuff like this. So if you have questions, please write them in. Also, I want to add on here before we go. In the past, 
people have written me questions. Questions where I have responded to you in some way, shape, or form and said something along the lines of, I'm not doing that anymore. This is not what I talk about. This is typically what the show's about. I'd be really nice about it, but I basically said no. If you still have those questions, please send them to me. And if anybody else has questions that you don't think I would talk about, or I've specifically said I won't talk about these things, or but you want me to answer them, please send them to me. I'd like to do a show on questions that have nothing to do with the subject of the gray man or any of the stuff I typically talk about. Now, of course, you can I'll, I'll answer any of any of the other questions I always try to if they're good questions about the stuff we normally talk about. But I'm looking for stuff outside that realm because I've already gotten a few that I've collected. So if I haven't responded to you or if I have responded to you and said, no, please resend those to me and for everybody else, by all means, especially when to get political, do it. Let's hit that up. And then pretty soon we're going to play a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. That'll be coming up as well as some other episodes. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back. Again, shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.